the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hello. Thanks for tuning back in. It's great to have you here. I just had a quick check in my diary before um, I'm recording this to work out how many weeks we've got until Christmas and oh it's less than six short weeks I can't believe it we've still got quite a lot of podcast content to come out before then but we will be taking a break over the Christmas period and coming back into your earlugs in uh, January sometime date to be decided I need to give um, Ella my intern who does all the editing a little bit of a break because she's been working really hard bless her So we'll be having a bit of break, but I've got some incredible content coming your way in the new year. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I've got a bit of news, things that have been in the news with regards to fertility this week. Um, And the HFEA have published their recommendations to the government on modernising family law. And this is really um, specific around surrounding fertility treatments. Um, There are four areas that they are looking at modernising. One is patient safety and good practice, which is always good news. The other is donor information. Then consent for treatment, because I know this is a really um, in-depth area and probably doesn't need to be as in-depth as it is compared to other healthcare. And also scientific development. So it sounds really interesting. If you'd like to find out more information about what the new recommendations are, then do check out the HFEA website. But that leads me, when we're talking about family law, as a really good juncture into this episode because I was delighted a few months ago now, and I do apologise that it's taken a while to get this one out, but other things have kind of conspired against us. But I was delighted to be joined by Mike Johnson Ellis, who is the founder of Two Dads UK and My Surrogacy Journey. You may well have heard of Mike. He has been on the podcast before, so a good friend of the podcast. And... My Surrogacy Journey is the UK's leading non-profit organisation which supports parents on their path to parenthood through a surrogacy route. A really important area and Mike and his partner Wes provide excellent support, advice and information to parents considering that option and going through that option. So we at the time spoke about some really exciting new changes to surrogacy law. So it fits in really well with what we've just been talking about with regards to the HFEA. However, <laughs> literally, as I sat down to record this um, intro to Mike's chat, I had a quick look at kind of what's been going on in the surrogacy world. And literally, I think yesterday or the day before, um, the news came out that the current parliament won't be taking this forward. So listen to this in the knowledge that right now, changes aren't necessarily going to be happening straight away. But Mike tells me it's still being reviewed. 
and I think it's now just wait and see what happens with the next parliament. So it's a bit of a shame that this isn't happening imminently and I know Mike and Wes are massively disappointed as I'm sure many people are that are going through a surrogacy journey but let's keep our fingers crossed that things are going to change for the better. So let's bring Mike in and you can hear all about it. Hi Mike, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's just so lovely to chat. So lovely to see your happy, smiley face, even though everybody, Mike fell down the stairs. On oh Saturday. gosh, I did. It was super embarrassing. It was in a restaurant, top to bottom, completely tumbled all the way down and I'm very bruised and embarrassed. <laughs> Now, obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see his bruise, but Mike has just shown me his bruise and it's massive. I've never seen anything like it and very, very purple. <laughs> it's horrendous. It's literally like a huge slab of meat on my back. It's awful. But uh, hey ho, that will teach me. And I, I didn't even have a drink. That was the problem. I, I went to the restaurant to have a drink. And as soon as I got in there, I slipped backwards down the stairs gutting that makes it even worse isn't it when it's not not, it not kind of inflicted with alcohol mm-hmm. to numb the pain a bit as well absolutely anyway I'm delighted that you're here to chat to me and the purpose of this podcast is we're going to be talking the ins and outs of surrogacy which is I'm really happy to confess something that I don't have a huge amount of knowledge about so every day is a school day as far as I'm concerned so I'm going to be very much learning from you as we chat but tell us a little bit before we get into the ins and outs of surrogacy. Mike, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Cool. Yeah, happy to. Um, so I am a dad through surrogacy myself. Uh, me and my husband um, have two children through gestational surrogacy. So that means our surrogate um, was the host. Uh, so she doesn't have any genetics or link to our children in that sense. Um, and we did both of our surrogacy journeys in the UK. So our daughter's six and our son is three. And and I'm genetically linked to, to, to one of my children and, and not to the other. And when we were going through our journey, we, like many others, found that surrogacy is a real minefield of, of trying to find credible and reliable information on, on a topic which is really personal and, and for some people was never how they intended to build their family. So, you know, you come from a point of vulnerability you come from a point of being unsure of, of what this path is. And we launched a company called Two Dads UK back in 2016 to primarily support um, gay men on a journey of UK surrogacy. And, and that's been really successful. We've, we've helped over 350 men become parents that way, and we've signposted credible support. And then in February 2021, we wanted to launch um, a brand new nonprofit surrogacy organization um, that that really changed the landscape of how people were supported through emotional support, through um, understanding the importance of choosing the right clinic or genetic testing and going beyond fertility treatment and into being a parent and all of the things that we wish we would have had the guidance which we, which we would have had we created an organization called my surrogacy journey and and we're proud to to see that this is an organization that's gone on to be really leading in that space now and uh yeah it's a, a real honor to be helping people build their family heterosexual or lgbtq um we're, we're helping everyone understand surrogacy in the uk and internationally 
And you did that during COVID, during lockdown then, 2021. We did. We did. Yeah. You know what? We It was one of those moments of we just had the idea and then we all went into lockdown. And But it was the best thing that could have ever happened because we had so much time to plan and to create and to really think long and hard. And we've been we've been building up to launching my surrogacy journey for probably about two years prior to that. So a lot of the work was done. But yeah, we launched in in COVID and the response from from people was was overwhelming. And we're supporting nearly 140 sets of intended parents currently. Um, and we had a baby born yesterday. So it was, you know, it's just the best job in the world. It is the best job in the world working in the areas that we work in, isn't mm-hmm. it? Sure. I had a lovely um, email from a patient yesterday as well, who's been you know, trying to get pregnant for many years, had many miscarriages, and she's just finally had her little daughter, which is just lovely. Those are the emails that you like to get for sure. So we're going to be talking about all the different aspects. And, and I know, you know, a lot of people will be wondering about, A, how you go about finding a surrogate and um, what the legal side is. And we'll talk about all of that in a minute. But last night I was thinking about the questions that I wanted to talk to you about. And one of the things that really came into my mind and then was further um, kind of cons- consolidated in my mind this morning when I saw a patient who asked me the exact same question is why do people decide to be a surrogate? That is a, a, a great question. And we see this all the time when we have new surrogates. And, and on average, we're probably between 10 and 15 brand new surrogate inquiries a week, um, which is wonderful. And we've, we've really seen that increase massively over the last six months. Um, and the message is the same you know these women have wanted to become a surrogate for as long as they can imagine and remember but just never knew where to start wow that's so interesting it's so interesting and they just didn't know how they went should go about it or we've we've got surrogates that are childless by choice and just because they don't want children they want to help other people have children and and in fact that was one of the first babies that were born through my surrogacy journey was a woman named Megan who her and her husband were childless by choice never want children but she wants to put her body to good use to help childless people and um surrogacy in the UK is completely altruistic and mm-hmm. will remain that way um so it's not financial benefit it is the act of helping another person achieve their goal of parenthood and and surrogates are just phenomenal you know that they put themselves through and their families through pressure through risk through Mm. fertility treatment which we all know is, is is grueling um but they get and one surrogate that works for us quite regularly behind the scenes she says she feels quite selfish because she gets a real empowerment um and she feels like this warrior having completed a pregnancy for someone it is amazing and people often say oh you know you're so selfless and Hayley actually tells people I'm actually really selfish because I do this because I get such a buzz from it I do this because I've given my 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 body up to do something so incredible I wonder whether you can equate it and this you know please excuse me if this is a really bad example and I totally appreciate there's so much more than this but 
whether you can equate it to almost doing something for charity. Like I climbed Kilimanjaro for charity and it was one of the best experiences of my life. But it's also because I raised an awful lot of money for the charity that I was supporting. And that just made me feel incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a really bad example. No, <laughs> and please tell me off. But No, no, no I, I, don't think it, I don't think it is a bad example. I think that is exactly what, and I'm, and I'm obviously speaking on behalf of, of, of a lot of people here, but I'm using anecdotal evidence from mm. pe- what people have told me. But that these women have said that the the sheer buzz and drive of feeling really accomplished after they see the face of the intended mother or intended fathers or, or, or intended parents when they see their child for the first time the the sense of achievement of completing that journey is why these women choose to do it it must be one of the most profound gifts that another mm. individual can give somebody isn't it it, it must it must be i can't you know i I we're forever grateful to our surrogate Caroline, but she she doesn't want us to feel grateful. She's like, no, trust me, I I feel honoured to have been a part of this journey. And again, it's it's just this gorgeous combination between um, giving that pure gift of of of, of life, really. I'm so pleased I asked that question because I don't think I could. I. I was trying to figure it out in my mind why people do it and I couldn't. So thank you because that's really explained it to me now. And that that's explained it in a way that I would never have necessarily thought before. Mm-hmm. So I'm so pleased I asked that question. You're welcome. On the other side then, what's it like using a surrogate? What was it like for you? What, what are your, and also the, the people that you work with, what are the kind of the worries, the anxieties, What's wrapped up in all of that? Because that decision is hard, isn't it, to make that decision in the first place? It is, and and it varies from people that have struggled and battled with infertility, so that are heterosexual, and those people that are gay men, single, or or, or in a couple. Um, because for for my community, building your family through surrogacy is your your primary objective and that's your your go-to family building if that's what you decide to choose um so we we begin that process very excited we begin that process doing a ton of research and there are some apprehensions um there's apprehensions very 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 early days when you don't know enough about surrogacy when you have the classic of oh my gosh what what if she wants to keep my baby and all of the absolute rubbish that isn't the case and very 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 rarely does that happen um but once you understand surrogacy and you've navigated your way through some of those um, anxieties that that very quickly goes away and then you're then focused on building this relationship and this level of trust with not only the surrogate but their partner if, if they have one and start working on your relationship because what you have to remember is that surrogacy currently is built on trust because of the current laws and and, and friendship and and that's what you have to do but when you're joining this as a heterosexual person or couple um surrogacy was never how you anticipated building your family so there is there there might be genetic loss and grief um if you're having to use an egg donor there may be the grief of not being able to carry your own child and and that's 
really tough for an intended mother. Um, and again, the same anxiety of, oh my gosh, what after all of this, a surrogate wants to keep our baby. And, and again, when you look at the data, when you look at the research behind that, that and how rare that actually is, um, you know, it's important to point out that surrogates have the same fear about intended parents leaving them with a baby that's not theirs because they're legally responsible for this child. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. Wow. I hadn't thought about it in that way around. You always assume it the other way around, but not that way around. No, wow. surrogates dread that because in, in the, currently when a surrogate gives birth, she is legally responsible for that child. And if for whatever apparent reason a intended parent would leave a surrogate pregnant which has happened sadly that that surrogate is responsible for what happens to that child and 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 that's what the law states and you know so it's always important to look at both sides of that argument and that fear because surrogates have the same fear but just in reverse that's so interesting again i hadn't really thought about it in that way so to to consider it. So there's an element of trust then on both sides. Isn't absolutely. That? Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about kind of the legalities and what people should do legally in a minute. But what about the practical steps? So, you know, often the people that I talk to perhaps might be considering various different options to to make their families and, and have no idea where to start. So where would somebody get started if they were thinking that actually they really would like to consider surrogacy or at least start to look into surrogacy? What would be their options? So I think it's really important to understand um, the the landscape of surrogacy and where you can complete your journey and where you can do that safely without fear of exploitation, without, um, you know, by doing that in a jurisdiction which understands surrogacy. And if you're doing that in the UK, there's there are a number of, of good and great surrogacy organizations. So you can either do independent surrogacy without an organization and and surrogacy supported through an organization. And the gov.uk website has the four organizations listed. Um, we obviously run one of them, which is my surrogacy journey. Um, and that's often the, the first place I tell people to go to um, because it gives you some really good information about, you know, the, the differences between traditional surrogacy um, and, and gestational surrogacy, which obviously is whether your surrogate is also the egg donor or whether your surrogate is purely a host. Um, so you understand the two types of surrogacy because they, they, they cost very different amounts because one will often involve IVF and one will often involve home insemination. So budget has to come up at some point because surrogacy can cost anything from, you know, five, six thousand pounds for traditional surrogacy all the way up to sort of 50, 60,000 pounds in the UK for a gestational journey with your IVF and your donor costs, et cetera, et cetera, plus your surrogate, including your surrogate's expenses. So, you know, you need to understand the cost, you need to understand the legal framework, and you need to understand the options of organizations you can choose to support you. Um, and, and that's really important. It's also important to consider or understand the time frames in the UK to find a surrogate. Um, we always prepare people to wait around two years to find years. a surrogate. Yeah, right. we always, we, and we're matching people sooner than that. But we, we like to set an expectation that, you know, 
you need to prepare yourself that this isn't a sprint, certainly not in the UK, um, because it's illegal to advertise for surrogates. So to find surrogates is is a is a, a slower word of mouth type process. So if it's illegal to advertise for surrogates, then you are very much relying on somebody who wants to be a surrogate coming forward. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we do very frequently is, um, you know, webinars and we're very active on social media. We have a, a podcast all about surrogacy and quite often that's how people tend to find us. And and whether that's intended parents or surrogates, we, um, you know, these are all vehicles for us to educate people about surrogacy. Um, and, and we talk about surrogacy in the UK as well as the USA, uh, Canada and Mexico City. And we'll put links to your podcast on the show notes because it would be great for people to go and find more information that way. So thank you for that, Mike. Any other practical things that people need to consider? One of the things that we tell people and one of the mistakes that we made with our journey was if you're creating embryos and you might be um, a set of intended fathers, so two gay men, we always advise people to create those embryos right at the beginning. And if you're using both of the genetic material from both men and you have an egg donor, then create all of those embryos in one go. What we didn't do was that very thing. And we created embryos and then the clinic said, oh, the donor will don't, she's agreed to donate again. Come back when you're ready, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we did and she couldn't donate again. So our children don't have a genetic link, which which we're fine with now. It, it But we could have avoided some of that heartache if we would have been supported properly by just being advised how to create embryos and why you, especially as two men, because it's already a costly treatment, um, but the importance of, you know, splitting the retrieved eggs and fertilizing them and, and, and both um, men having a genetic connection that's one of the one of the practicals and i also and we're, we always advocate everyone getting legal independent legal advice um absolutely it's it really has to be done and it should never be con- the, the cost of getting independent legal advice is minimal and it's proven that those people that don't get legal advice and when things do go wrong the cost to them legally is far greater than what it would have been if they'd have just got advice in the first place. And there um, are specialists, aren't they? Specialist um, legal companies that work in this area, aren't there? So it's there are, there really are. And we work with seven of, of them and we, we, as part of our service to our members, we provide two free legal consultations um, for all of our members and surrogates to ensure that everyone gets legal advice. And we we work with um, uh, lawyers across jurisdictions in England, Wales, uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Great, which is a lovely segue to leading us on to the new surrogacy law, the new bill. Tell us about that. So on the 29th of March of this year, um, the Law Commission for um, England, Wales and the Scottish Law Commission launched the final draft bill, which we've been waiting patiently for for a number of years. And um, this is we're now waiting for a government response. And then this will then begin the process of um, 
hopefully becoming new legislation and replacing the current outdated Surrogacy Arrangements Act of 1985, which is the legislation that says you can't advertise for surrogates or you can't, uh, surrogates are the legal parent from birth. Um, and all of these are the outdated information now. It's not, not moved with the times. It really hasn't moved with the times. So the great, some of the great nuggets that came from the final bill were that intended parents can be the legal parent from birth, providing they follow this new pathway to legal parenthood. And that's working with a, a regulated surrogacy organisation. So that's going to, if people choose to work with an organisation like the four that exist, um, then they will get um, legal parenthood from birth. Fantastic. Um, so it's, it's, there are definitely um, messages from the Law Commission that, um, they want people working through an organization than doing independent surrogacy because they want, you know, legal support. They want preconception checks doing and, and welfare of the child assessment. So in the new pathway, there is no CAFCAS that help with the parental order. Um, the RSOs or the regulated surrogacy organizations who will be regulated by the HFEA if, if the plans all move ahead, we will be responsible for doing all of those um checks and balances to ensure everybody is safe on that journey oh, i mean mike you're doing amazing work and quite frankly i don't know how you have the time to do all of this with everything else that you've we've got, got a good team we've office. got an amazing team yeah you've got a lot of support behind you which is great but this is you know this is incredible what you've done and i can just see it really helping people couples going forward which is you know absolutely amazing that's what we want to get sure. you kind of gave some tips there about things that you'd wished you'd done but for anyone listening what would be your five takeaways you might not have five three will do but what would be your takeaways my takeaways would always be do your research um do not rush into surrogacy whether you're doing that in the uk or internationally so please research the organization um or the country where you're doing that journey in to always get legal advice regardless if you think you understand surrogacy in the UK or wherever it's really important to get that legal advice documented so you understand it um, and three understand that surrogacy the highs are high and the lows are low and it it's it's called a journey for a reason um, it's isn't something that should be rushed it isn't something that's over very quickly enjoy it um but definitely uh, take the rough with the smooth and and i can't obviously i have a bias towards support and, and the importance of that but really choose your scaffolding really wisely on this journey and and whilst you might not think because with surrogacy you don't know what you don't know and whilst you might not think you need um, all this level of support and bells and whistles when you're in the thick of it and when things aren't going to plan um, that team that can hold you up is is absolutely crucial and um, that's one thing with any fertility journey is it's learning that it takes time whatever whichever whether it's fertility treatments surrogacy adoption it's learning that actually it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take that time. And that's hard. That's really hard, isn't it? To sit on your hands and allow that to happen. It really is, especially if you've already been on, you know, a five, six, seven year journey already. Um, you know, and surrogacy can often be, you know, a, a number of years as well. And, and, and we see that, but 
you know, again, by doing your research and understanding where there might maybe alternative countries, you know, we're about to see Georgia close down to non-nationals, you know, Ukraine um, it, it isn't really existing anymore. So there are emerging destinations popping up, but please, please, please research into the destinations that are happening and, and make sure that exploitation is something that you is high on your agenda absolutely and i appreciate we've not talked about surrogacy abroad and um, i'm sure that you've covered in that in your podcast so we'll make sure that we signpost people to that as well because that'd be really useful but thank you mike that's just been so educational um i feel like i've learned so much like i said every day is a school day for me and that's just been amazing we'll put all the details of where people can find you, Mike. Um, and I know that they would be very, very safe in your hands. So do go and check Mike out. Thank, Thank you Kate. so much, Mike. really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, I love talking to Mike. That was just so interesting. And it's really opened my eyes to what it's like to A, use a surrogate and also to be a surrogate. Um, And I hope that it's really helped you think about whether or not this could be an option for you. So it might not be on your agenda right now, but it might help to perhaps bust some myths with regards to surrogacy and what that could look like for your fertility journey and what that might mean for you. It certainly bust a few myths for me, for sure. So that's it for this week. Um, Join us in a couple of weeks when we'll be back with another fab topic. As always, if there's any topics that you want us to cover, then please send me an email at kate at yourfortitudejourney.com or you can find me on Instagram and I'd love to hear what topics you'd like us to cover. Okay, bye for now. Please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is Your Fertility Nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com.